There's a quote that says, start the walk and the way will appear. In 2018, I unknowingly started my journey into becoming unique. My journey started with choosing me and understanding that self-love and self-care are so important in the evolution of you. There is no magic blue pill to transformation. It's all about the journey. The journey of self-love, self-care, being consistent, showing up for yourself, investing in yourself. The Become a Unique Podcast is a place where you can be well and be you. Welcome. You have truly arrived to a safe space. Be prepared to grow in such a beautiful way. Let's get this show started. Hey, y'all. So we have arrived to the last non-YouTube podcast episode. Yep, that's right. So going forward, um, after this episode, every Becoming Unique podcast episode will now be featured on YouTube as well as all of your podcast streaming apps. So yeah. So make sure you are subscribed over there at the YouTube channel if you like to get the visual effects of the Becoming Unique podcast. But, you know, it will definitely still be streaming on all podcast streaming apps. The only difference between the YouTube and the um, the podcast streaming apps, you won't... the. the on YouTube, you won't get the intros and the outros, which is sometimes I'm telling you stories or giving you more content to the information that we're about to listen to. You're going to only get the straight interview on the YouTube. So like today, I'm about to tell you guys a story. So if you, if it, if this episode was on YouTube, you would miss the story that I am about to tell you guys. So this here goes the story. So yesterday I was listening to a podcast, someone else's podcast, and I listen to a lot of podcasts that has a lot of mindfulness, a lot of spirituality, you know, health is wealth type of energy all over these podcasts. And this particular podcast, they were responding to a listener's question. So the listener sent in a question that said that her husband had recently passed away and she was just trying to wrap her mind around how did this even happen. He passed away of cancer. And the reason why she was trying to wrap her mind around um, how did this even happen is because she said he lived a very healthy life. He ate well, you know, he took care of his body, he worked out, he moved, you know, he had a great, you know, mental and spiritual practice and so on. And, you know, there's a saying that, you know, where there is dis-ease, there is disease. So in this wife's mind, you know, she felt her husband didn't have dis-ease within his body because he was living a very, you know, a a wellness practice of life. So she was trying to wrap her mind around it. So she was asking the question, like, how could this happen? Like, you know, So the person responded, of course, they responded with, you know, compassion by saying my condolences to you and so on. But then he, the person went on to say, the podcast um, host 
to say you just never, you know, we can't, we never know what's really going on within someone. No, number one. So, you know, outside frame, and I'm paraphrasing this, I'm not saying exactly how the host said it. You know, sometimes we think everything is a certain way, but you know, a lot of things comes to that internal work. So, so number one, we never know what's actually going on within someone. That's number one. And then number two, he said with the law of attraction, basically, a lot of times when we don't want something, we're still attracting it. So we can sit here and be like, you know, you're working really hard, like, you know, very hard to say, I don't want this cancer. I don't want this cancer. We don't want this cancer. But with the law of attraction, the more you're putting that energy into you, the more you're attracting it. So I took note of that. You know, I've heard this before, but I took an extra note of this, you know, yesterday when I was listening to the podcast. I was like, okay, you know, I got to remember, you know, to be mindful of something that I don't want that I don't put this energy on me because then I'm still attracting it to me. So I took note of it. But of course, you walk out the house, you, you, you're not thinking about that exact podcast or what someone said. So I leave, I go about my day, I have some appointments and then... As I, I, I'm in New York City, for your, for the those of you that don't know. So I go into the train station in New York City, and I'm on like a 42nd Street train sa- station. So it's a very big and very busy train station. And so um, I see a bunch of um, like teenage girls. And they, they wasn't bad looking, bad, like bad girls. They was like, you know, private school girls. But they was teenagers, and they was making a lot of noise, and there was someone playing instruments in the... um in the in the train station so they were singing the songs and stuff like that it looked like a, a a fun group of girls but um they they was going down the stairs and at first i thought they was maybe like on a school trip because with so many of them it was like at least 30 or 40 of them i was like oh so many of them so then i see them but i kind of wanted to distance distance myself from them because i just wanted to get in my solitude i I didn't feel like I wanted all that energy around me. So as I am running, you know, I'm going down the stairs of the um, train station and the train is coming in at the same time. And this whole group of girls is like coming down the stairs as well, too. And I was like, I don't want to be next to them. (laughs) Like I said, I wanted to go in my solitude. I didn't feel like all this extra teenage energy around me. So I literally like walked very, very quickly like two, three cars down. Like I'm almost at the end of the train, literally. And I walk, the doors open. I walk into the train. The train is, you know, it's pretty much empty. I have my whole little corner to myself. And I was like, oh, good. Perfect. I I was like, perfect. I got away from them. My whole intention was to get away from these (laughs) these girls. But like I said, these were not bad girls. I wasn't trying to get away from them for a bad reason. I was literally, I just wanted to be in my solitude, (laughs) just by myself and not hear all this ruckus. So then, um, I get, get, sit down, I relax, I put my leg up on the chair, I take my book bag off, I had a book bag on, put it on the side of the chair with me. And then, what do you know? About a minute later, who walks in? All these girls walk into this car. And no, and, and there's plenty of seats available, but they decide to sit next to me, across from me, and right all around me. I was like, really? I was like, I worked very hard to get away from these girls because I did not want to be um, near them. And they came and literally sat next to me. I literally had to move my leg, put my book bag on my lap, like, 
because they were sitting literally next to me, across from me. And then I had to sit there for 20 minutes hearing all their teenage conversation and talk and stuff like that. And I didn't get the solitude that I was dreaming about. And I, and I thought right back to that um, podcast episode that I listened to in on earlier that morning that said the law of attraction, the more we try to, you know, n- push something away or not have something, the more we attracting it. And I said, I worked very hard with intentional energy to not be next to these girls. And then I still got it. And so then I was like, that was like a lesson of like how true energy is. So yes, we do attract stuff by, you know, putting our intentions out there where, you know, where intention goes, energy flows, but also remembering When we are pouring intention into things that we don't want, the energy is going to be very strong there. So, yeah, I just wanted to share this story with you guys to, you know, so we could all have understanding on how powerful this energy is. But like I said, I wanted my solitude at that moment. But today is a day, an episode where it's going to have some beautiful energy around stillness, calmness, solitude. So yes, let's get ready for this episode. Very calming, very beautiful. As always, I ask that you listen to it in its entirety because you just never know what little nuggets you may pick up um, along the way. So yay, let's get this show started. Today on the Becoming Unique podcast, I have an amazing guest by the name of Rich. Welcome. Hello. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. Oh, thank you for being here. I really appreciate it. (laughs) But before we get started, before we get started with today's episode, please let everyone know who is Rich. Sure. Um, well, Rich keeps changing, and we'll talk more about that. But right now, I guess, uh, who is Rich, at least over the last five or six years, I, I have a site called Silence Teaches uh, Us Who We Are. The website is silenceteaches.com. So what I've been focusing on is really just helping people discover their true self and then take action on this person. And and various tools have helped me with this process. So I'm sharing them with the people that follow me on my website and on my um, social media. So I'm I'm using tools such as centering prayer and journaling and affirmations and gratitude um, to help people discover their true self. And then hopefully more importantly, then take action on their true self, Um, the person God wants them to be, but maybe they're afraid to take action on or didn't know who their true self is and, and now begin discovering who this person is. Oh, so beautiful. And I love that you started off by saying, well, today, Rich is this person. And, and this has been who I've been over the past five years. And, you know, a part of the Becoming Unique um, platform, the reason why I, I started Becoming Unique, Michelle Obama, when she came out with her, her book, she said, I hate when people ask children, what do they want to be when they grow up? As if growing up is a final destination. We are constantly evolving and it's okay to keep evolving. So when you made that first statement, of course, I thought about Michelle Obama saying we're constantly evolving. So this is who we are today doesn't mean we're going to be that same person tomorrow or 10 years from now and so on. We, it, it's okay for us to constantly evolve. And you said this is rich for the past five or six years. You know, um, 
who was rich before and, and what made you be, step into this place of, you know, the place you are now? I would say the rich before, um, before I started Centering Prayer, which I started doing in late 2013, um, was not as a confident person, uh, was not as confident, um, was, was afraid to get out of his comfort zone and try and, and do new things and, and didn't, didn't know who his true self was, didn't know what he was capable of accomplishing and didn't know that really all he needed was within, within him. It's not out, it wasn't outside of him. It was within him waiting to come out and be expressed. So before, um, it was before my website and, be, and before practicing centering prayer, I, I was probably living in my shell and, and scared to come out as much as I could or not showing the world what I really have and, and what, I, what I can share with the world and how I can help the world. But probably lack of confidence. That was probably the biggest thing was Rich maybe had half the confidence that he, he should have had. And once he's gotten more confidence, then he's more willing to try and do new things. And then it creates kind of a really exciting life. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I can relate with that so much, so, so much. And I, my journey started uh, about five years ago at the beginning it was unknowingly I was on the journey. But then once I started to be present with the journey about 2019, I realized that, wow, I was lacking the confidence. I was lacking my true self. I wasn't, you know, being, you know, in tune with that person. And once I started to understand that, you know, I ha- I was able to start putting intention onto, you know, evolving. <laughs> and I'm so happy that you, you say this because sometimes we have to bring awareness to this, you know, because if someone would have said this to me five years ago, I'd be like, what do you mean? I, I got confidence. I know who I am. And, you know, just to create these conversations so we can hear and see similarities around it is just so important because, yes, we are where we are now, but sometimes we can just be so much more greater. <laughs> or, like you say, just walk into our true selves and, uh, and understand that. So there has been a lot of um, self-care focus on my platform and part of self-care are affirmations. Well, a part of my, my prescription of self-care is affirmations. It doesn't have to be everyone's. But do you happen to have like a favorite affirmation that you go to? I do. And it's really simple. Um, I can handle it. Mm. Because often, you know, I, I, I have my website and, and I do my writing and my coaching and speaking. Um, but then during the day, I have a, a day job and I work in the financial services field and, and service 401k accounts. And I can luckily do that remote. So mm-hmm. I'm always, I always have challenges that, that I don't know how to handle. So I, I try to not psych myself out. So I simply will say, I can handle it. And it slows me down. It calms me down. And then I just, you know, push it into my subconscious. Um, mm. So I, I would say that one, because so I think many people, including myself, when, when we have a challenge where you don't know how to do something or where something happens in your life, you just need to tell yourself, I can handle this, take a deep breath mm-hmm. and I can handle it. So I, I would say I can handle it is really one of my favorite ones. And I use it very frequently just to calm myself down and help myself get through challenges. I absolutely love I can handle this, handle it. Um, 
that hasn't been one of my affirmations, but I like this one. This is one that I think I may put in my rotation to have that understanding, you know, like when times are getting tough and it's like, wait a minute, anxiety is starting to kick in. Wait a minute, I can handle this and or I can handle it. And, you know, it, uh, this is this podcaster I listen to. His name is Jim Quick. And one thing that he said is that the the most power, the smallest but most powerful words to the English language is I am because what follow up because what follows behind it is what you become. And so, you know, reminding yourself that I can handle it is so important because a lot of times we are saying we may say things like, oh, my God, this is overwhelming. I can't handle it. Now you just, you know, decided what your destiny is going to be because you just told yourself you can't handle it. But by ch changing the narrative and saying the, taking the positive in the affirmation by saying, I can, I can handle it is just so important. And then that becomes your destiny. That becomes what you are. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your beautiful affirmation. I appreciate it. Sure, sure. <laughs> I mean, I have so, many, but that's probably one of my favorites. So I like that one. I like that one because I, especially in the culture that we live in, you know, I, I don't, I think a lot of us are being overwhelmed with life. You know, it's just the every day. You could just even be making dinner like you worked all day. You've been running errands. You've been doing all this stuff. And it's like, oh, now I have to go home and make dinner. I, and then you say, I can handle it. I can handle this. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so yeah, you spoke at the beginning how, you know, silence and your quiet prayer and, you know, has been a focus for you over the past five, um, five years, but let's start with the basic one-on-one of this conversation. And that is what is, let's talk about silence and what is silence? What is the importance behind silence? Let's just talk about that for a second. Sure. So for me, and, and I guess I'll use, and we'll get into is what centering prayers. I I kind I guess I equate silence and centering prayer, um, where silence you know, connects me to my true self, the person God wants me to be, either today or what my future self should be, and, and things that God wants me to do, you know, in in the future. So for me, silence, you know, connects me to my true self. It helps me slow down and connect to my true self, the person I need to be today and the actions I need to take today, as well as it nudges me forward into the future on what, is, what are the future actions and goals and dreams that I should be taking action on. So silence really just helps me let go of who I am not and become who I am on a daily basis. Mm hmm. So, OK, yeah, th that's beautiful that you are connecting silence that, you know, to your true self and that I'm assuming is just getting quiet with yourself. And you say you um, reference silent and centering prayer as the same thing for you. So I guess probably my question should have been, what is centering prayer? Sure. Sure. So centering prayer, and I'll give a brief history and then and quickly describe what it is and how you do it. But centering prayer, or, or the, well, first of all, the idea of sitting in silence has been around for thousands of years. So that's that's obviously not a new, new idea. The idea of meditating and sitting in silence is thousands and thousands of year old practice. 
Um, Centering Prayer um, has been around for 50 years. It was created in the early 1970s by three Trappist monks. So three Catholic priests saw outside of Christianity, a lot of meditation happening and they wanted something for the Christian community. And one of them, Father William Manager, was reading a 12th century classic book called The Cloud of Unknowing. And as he read this book, kind of a method of silent, wordless prayer seemed to jump off the pages as he read it. So he began talking with the other two monks, and then they they began, and I'll share how you do it, they began practicing centering prayer amongst themselves, and then they began sharing it with other clergy, and then obviously they realized it needs to go you know, public. And in 1984, Thomas Keating created the Contemplative Outreach Organization, and they have a website called contemplativeoutreach.org. And on that site is a ton of Centering Prayer resources and groups that practice internationally as well as in the U.S. So that's a little bit of the history. It's a 50-year-old practice, but again, the practice of silence is thousands of years old. And well, I guess I'll pause there before I get into what is Centering Prayer, if, if if you wanted to react to any of that or ask me any further questions. Yeah, I do have a question. I don't know if I heard this right. You said, you know, silent wordless prayer jumped out of the book. What is a sign? Okay, is a silent wordless prayer? Was the page just blank? <laughs> I, I think it, it was the way they discussed in the book that the how you enter the silence and, and what you do in the silence. So maybe if I describe how you do centering prayer, because they, they talked about kind of a prayer word in the book. Mm-hmm. So centering prayer actually uses a prayer word as part of its practice. So that, that's what I mean by that. So, so for set, centering prayer is, is considered two things. It's considered meditation, but it's also considered developing a relationship with God, because during centering prayer, we believe we're opening to the presence and actions of God within us. We don't believe we're God, but we certainly believe God is within us, waiting to be expressed in the world. So during centering prayer, the purpose of it is just to sit with God and open to the presence and actions of God within us. And then how you do centering prayer is you sit comfortably, close your eyes, and then to begin your your silent sit time, you introduce what we call a sacred word. It's usually two or three syllables, one, two or three syllables. It could be love, a color, ocean, God, Jesus. And that's just signifies your opening to the presence and actions of God within. And then as you're sitting there silently, when you begin engaging your thoughts, and what I mean by that is you begin thinking about all the things you did before your sit or you begin planning, what am I going to do after my sit? What routines or what duties do I have? And you begin planning and plotting. You realize you're no longer sitting with God in the present moment. You're sitting with your, yourself. So you use the sacred word to come back to the present moment, let go of your engaged thoughts, and then even let go of the word. So it's really just used to keep bringing yourself back to God and the purpose of your sit of just sitting with God and opening to, to the presence and actions of God within. So the sacred word, I guess, was, was mentioned in the cloud of unknowing. So it's kind of used, so center in prayer really is a, is a practice of opening to the presence and actions of God, because then really you're letting go of the practice itself and just sitting with God. So mm-hmm. it's a tool, tool or practice to sit with God. So that's how you do centering prayer, and you do it you know, as long as you wish. I, I try to practice uh, up to 20 minutes each time I sit, but everybody's different. So you can sit for one minute, five minutes, 10 minutes, 20 minutes, but that's essentially how you do the practice, and you use a sacred word to, just to keep yourself in the present moment. And maybe the last thing I'll say is 
I actually, it, it doesn't have to be a word. It's some people that are more audible might use a word. I discovered I'm more of a visual person. So I picture a, a, a uh, an icon in my head, a Jesus icon in my head. And, and I don't draw it out, but I just kind of think of that icon to come back mm-hmm. to the present moment because I'm more of a visual person. Some people use their breath to come back to the present moment. And then lastly, some people are afraid they'll fall asleep if they close their eyes. So they simply stare at a spot a few feet perhaps on the floor just to keep themselves honed in on the present moment. But, but that's a little bit of you know, how you do centering prayer and then kind of the purpose of the sacred word is not a mantra. And there are mantra practices where you're repeating it over and over again. With centering mm-hmm. prayer, you just use it when needed, when you notice that I'm doing everything else but sitting with God in the present moment. <laughs> okay, so, so um, we start out centering prayer off by, you know, quieting ourselves down, by sitting down, closing our eyes, and thinking of a word, a secret word to say, which could be love, ocean, blue, whatever you decide for it to be. We go in and we just get still and quiet within ourselves. And the moment we start to see that our mind is doing the chitter chatter thing, going talk, thinking about dinner, thinking about yesterday, we come and bring ourselves back to the center again by repeating the sacred word that we started our practice off, which, which may have been love. And then we just stay still with ourselves. And then when we end our practice, do we just get up and go or do we close it off any type of way? I, most, we recommend you usually um, sit for a minute or two. And I, 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 like for me, I like to put a routine around my practice. So before my practice, I usually read uh, a current book I'm reading. I also read affirmations and kind of give them to God and let them go. Then I do my silent sit. And then after my practice, I usually can read again from the book that I'm reading. And then I get up and resume my day. So, I mean, you can, each person can kind of do what they want. Um, but for me, it's nice to kind of put bookends around my practice and make it a nice routine of something before, do my sit, and then some actions after my sit as well. And, and actually, sometimes I even do some journaling either before or after my sits as well. If I just want to journal thoughts or goals, or even if I have anxiety and, and I'm just, I'll just start jotting down the anxiety either in the, my journal before or after my sit. So I would recommend bookends for your practice because then it just makes it a, a neat, special time for you. Mm. yeah um yeah that sounds yeah it sounds beautiful to just put routine around you know the silent um the silent not silent prayer the centering prayer um I wanted to ask during your centering prayer session um you're listening for God you're listening to for messages um now let's say you're starting to get downloads at that moment. Do you like start jotting it down on the paper or you just stay with it? So for centering prayer, you actually are supposed to let go of anything. So one, so even if you start thinking and you, you, you get an inner nudge or, or you get you all of a sudden resolve something that you've been <laughs> trying to work on, you do let go of it. So we actually are, this time is really just to sit with God's. If, if it needs to come up, it'll come up outside of our practice and you just need to trust that. So during centering prayer, we're letting go of all thoughts and emotions. So whatever happens, if you have a tremendous insight, you'll let it go. If, if you have, whatever happens, you're letting it go. And, and if you have to use, sometimes you naturally bring yourself back and let go. Other times you just use your word or, or image or breath to come back. But no, you're not doing anything other than sitting with God and letting go of any, any thoughts, emotions, and engaged thoughts 
now after the practice that's that's where i like journaling because then i then i'll journal because then, then i can sit down and i can start journaling things that you know insights or inner nudges that i that i think i've received mm -hmm. okay beautiful so someone that may be listening to this may say oh this sounds similar to meditation you know is there a difference between the centering prayer and meditation or it's just two different ways of calling it? Um, it is meditation. So it is, it is obviously a form of meditation, but we also believe, you know, that we're opening to the presence and actions of God within and that during this time, God is praying in us um, what God wants us to do. Um, so I think of it as meditation, but also deepening my relationship with God it's, it's a different way of praying. Instead of talking verbally to God, we're sitting with God and we're letting God, actually, I think of it as a reverse prayer. God is praying in me. And, and I notice that outside of my centering prayer sits, I notice that maybe I'm now calmer or I have more inner peace, or I realize an inner nudge to try and do something new or, or wisdom for a task is that I, that kind of, I didn't know how to handle is all of a sudden in my plant implanted in my in my mind mm -hmm. in, my, in my brain so it is considered meditation but but it's also a relationship with god and for me i think of it as a reverse prayer god's giving me what god knows i need and i simply just trust god mm, i like that trust you know so it's so as we're doing our centering prayer we trust that the messages that God has for us will be implanted within ourselves, within us. And we don't have to, like when the ideas or something may pop in our mind, we don't have to jump up and say, let me jot this down. You know, this is what God told me to do. We don't have to do that. We trust that, you know, it's already within us. And then as we approach those situations, you know, they will show up, you know, later on when it needs to show up because of that time that we spent with God, you know, allowing, you know, the reversal of prayer to be input implanted within us. Did I get it right? <laughs> no, you did. And it is hard because some, something gets implanted. And I'll, once in a while, I have jotted it down and, and maybe breaking the rule that I just said, but as much as possible, we, we, we tried not to stop what we're doing and write the thought down because we just need to trust God. If it's that important, it's going to come up outside of our sit. And that the purpose of my sit is really just to sit with God and, and trust God. And then outside of the sit, trust that if it's that inner nudge or that insight that will come back to me outside of my sit, and then I can jot it down. Hmm. Um, you seem like a pretty calm person and I'm a pretty calm person and I actually enjoy silence um, by itself. Like I don't need, to, I, like I can be driving. I don't need to have the radio on. I don't come in the house and start turning TVs and music on. Like I just enjoy silence and that's okay with me. And, but a lot of my family members don't. <laughs> they need to have action, activity, motion going on all the time. So this may be challenging for someone like that, for someone that is used to constantly having all of this audio stimulation happening all the time. What advice do you give to this person that really has a challenging time with just sitting in silence with themselves? Well, I guess I would tell them, to take baby steps with it. So I would certainly not say try it for 20 minutes. That would probably mm -hmm. be like torture to them. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. but I would encourage someone just, just to try silence, um, maybe try for 30 days, make it the first thing you do in the morning as you begin your day. And just even if it's one to five minutes, 
just try it and see what happens. Because you know, as we talked about earlier, you can't really go within and connect to your true self and, and discover who this person is if you have all this noise going around you. So mm -hmm. the, it, I, the, it, it just gives you a balance in life. So you the, the balance between your silence and your action. Otherwise, if you're always on the go, well, maybe all the things you're doing on the go aren't ever... It, everything you should be doing and, and you're not acting from mm -hmm. your true self or you're not acting on dreams and goals or you're not even as present for the present moment and whatever it requires of you so it it just gives you a chance to slow down go within and then hopefully we begin acting from this person rather than never letting this person come out and play and, and act in the world mm -hmm. yeah and I, I like that baby steps i i, I feel like i want to talk about the true self for a moment and, you know, defining what is true self. Do you have a definition for that? Yeah. For me, the true self is, is the person God wants me to be. And, and that's what you're doing during centering prayers. You're letting go and you're letting go of many things. You're so either, and the letting go comes with you outside of centering prayer. So you're letting go of thoughts and emotions that you tell yourselves, whether it's in or out of centering prayer, such as I'm, I'm not confident, I'm the wrong person to do this, I'm scared to, to do this, I don't wanna get out of my comfort zone, I can't do this, someone else is better suited for it, I'm too young, I'm too old, and all the different things we tell ourselves. So our true self is buried underneath all of these things um, that we tell ourselves, but once you kind of move, remove them, it emerges. So like in my case, it, it, Prior to centering prayer, many of the things I'm doing now were not on the radar screen because they either just were not on the radar screen or I would be terrified to do them, such as mm -hmm. the idea of writing a book. And you know, my book is about 290 pages. The idea of writing a book of that length is daunting. The idea of public speaking is daunting. The idea of coaching people is daunting. And even mm -hmm. the idea of jumping on a podcast like this. So all these things were not on the radar and yeah. scared the heck out of me. But the practice has, has helped me let go of all the things I told myself that aren't true. And then what's left is these actions that I should be taking. Mm, yeah. So that's what, who your true self is. It's, it's, it's buried underneath all the things you tell yourself or psych yourself out that are, that are not true. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel like we mirror each other a lot because I, I felt like the same thing, like five years ago, have a book. What do you mean? I, you know, all of these things is like, I, it would have, I would have given completely different responses five years ago than what I am giving today. And, you know, we do live in 2022, <laughs> um, going into 2023 now, and we live in a Western culture environment where there is a lot of, um, what do you call it? Like a lot of like outside influence, outside influence on us. And, you know, for me and you, we came from a, one space of finding about our, our true selves. But I almost feel like, you know, like everything, there are two sides to the spectrum. And I almost feel like I see another version of a person that may be overconfident, have a lot of just action going on all the time, and they're never being still. They're just always busy, 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 busy. And, you know, and they probably will say the opposite. I am my true self. What are you talking about? <laughs> you know, and stuff like that. And do you feel a person like that would be resistant to finding true selves? Would they be able to see that there is there may be a different person lying underneath all the, the noise and the hype? Yeah, I, I guess I would say like, 
like maybe I'll share my, I'll call it my true self barometer. Maybe that person could also use this barometer where you just have mm -hmm. to take a look at yourself and, and one, you know, do you have an inner peace and calm about all the actions you're taking? And, and maybe mm -hmm. that person would be thinking, well, I need to be taking that action, but it's not, I'm not necessarily at peace with it. I'm just doing it because I think it's the right thing to do. But maybe the more I think about it, there isn't that inner peace and calm. And is mm -hmm. there an excitement about it um, that you should be doing it? And then, uh, does it move you out of your comfort zone and challenge you? So, so maybe the, there's, those are things that you've done, but you have other things that are out of your comfort zone that you should be doing instead. And then the last thing is, as long as it doesn't harm you or harm others. And then maybe in this, this case, too many things could harm you because it could burn you out, it could tire you out, and it could stop you from maybe doing those one or two or three things that you know you really need to do and take action on. So I guess that's a little bit of how I would respond to someone that's perhaps maybe if I'm focusing on three things and this person is focusing on six or 10, um, there's, there's part perhaps not inner common inner peace about every single item and there's stress and there's not as much excitement with some of them. Mm -hmm. And then some of them aren't necessarily out of their comfort zone and they're, they're not growing and challenging themselves as much as they'd like to. So, so that's how I would respond to someone who might be doing a ton versus honing in on one, two, or three true self-actions, I'll call them. Yeah. Okay. So that, that I like that because, you know, for the for anyone that's listening to this, you, you know, whatever part of the spectrum you're on, these are questions you can ask yourself and, and be honest with yourself at the same time. <laughs> that's another challenge, being honest with yourself. And the question would be, do I truly feel inner peace with everything I do? Not just the things I like. <laughs> do I truly feel inner peace? And then the next one would be, you know, is there excitement or am I just doing it because society is saying this is the way I'm supposed to be living and, and, and moving? But am I truly excited about getting up to go to this, you know, great paying job, you know? Um, you know, another question you can ask. And there was another one. I know there was harm. Like, and what I'm doing, is it harming anyone? Like, it may be great for me, but am I harming someone in the long run? By or even yourself. Something? Is it harming or, you or where, where, where you're burned out and, you, and you're, you're working nonstop and you're exhausted? So are you harming yeah. yourself or even are you harming others by, by, by it? Yeah. So these were some beautiful questions to present with yourself to, to understand the, the importance and the, you know, and the beauty behind having the silence with yourself or the centering on um, the, the centering prayer, because, you know, someone could be at that spectrum and be like, I'm driving the nice car. I make a lot of money. I'm busy, 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 busy. And they may be like, I don't need that stuff. You can keep that meditation junk. <laughs> but if they can truly sit with themselves and answer these questions with honesty, you know, then the question would be like, do I need to incorporate um, this within my, um, my life? So you discussed that, you know, the beauty of centering prayer is it's, it's allowing you to, you know, be with God, have God, you know, input information in you and also for you to, um, it's on the tip of my tongue, and also for you to move towards your true self. Are there any other benefits behind centering prayer that we should put on the table? Sure. So each, each practitioner will look, 
either people will notice it or they'll notice about themselves. So as you practice centering prayer, you know, over the long haul, you'll notice changes in your life. So when I look at myself um, and, and the fruits of the practice that God has graced me with, at least what I've noticed and other people will then can look back at their own lives and, and in a mirror, so to speak, and see how it's changed them. So for me, it's given me, you know, a ton of boost of confidence in my life. It's given me a willingness to get out of my comfort zone and try and do new things. It's given me an excitement for life and, and looking forward to what each day will bring. Not that I didn't want to live life be prior to centering prayer, but it's just kind of a bigger excitement and openness to life and what each day will bring. I think I'm a less reactive person. I'm more willing to listen to people and, and just give them the space they, they need without jumping to a reaction. And, and I'm less reactive. I'm more willing to, to listen to the present moment and kind of go with the present moment instead of challenging it. So those are some kind of immediate fruits for me that, that come to mind. And, and then other practitioners might say the same, and they might say other things that they've noticed of how it's healed and transformed them. And, and I think I'm better able, I'm, I'm a much more calmer person. I'm, I'm better able to, uh, as I mentioned, my day job, I'm very busy. And at my to-do list is, is 30, 40 things on it. I'm, I'm able to just hone in on, all right, what are the three or four things I need to get done today? Let go of the other 28. Don't panic. Do these three or four, then go back to the list. It just helps me deal with outer chaos. I have inner, inner peace and calm despite the outer chaos of, of what's going on and, and my endless to-do list and things that keep popping up. So, so these are some of the fruits I've experienced when I think of centering prayer over the last seven or eight years. No, that's beautiful. Um, to it's bringing you to a place at peace that you can let go of the out of, out of chaos and hone into the, the inner peace within you and be okay with doing three of your to-do list actions instead of getting yourself stressed out about all 30 of them. So right. that's beautiful. Now, um, in reference to sin in reference to centering prayer, you said you like to put a bookshelf on it, which I agree with you. Bring um, bring order to it, you know, let it be in your routine. But if a person is, you know, feeling overwhelmed, you know how like sometimes someone's feeling overwhelmed, it's like, okay, take a moment to breathe. Would you suggest a person take a moment for centering prayer in a, in a moment of anxiety or different parts of the day that's not included in that bookmark timeframe? Absolutely. So I, I guess... My practice is first thing in the morning, and then I then my second sit is is usually right before I eat my late lunch. But yes, and I do the same thing. I highly encourage people to take I'll call them a mini sit, where if you find you're extremely anxious or nervous, take a one or two minute sit just to reset and refresh and calm yourself down. Um, I'll and I'll, I'll I, and I do that frequently, at, or or I don't like going to the doctor, and I'll I'll do it in the parking lot. If I'm usually, I usually arrive a little bit early and I'll just do a couple minutes sit before I walk into the doctor's office. So yes, to answer your question, I would definitely encourage mini sits whenever, whenever you need it, whenever you feel yourself getting anxious and out of breath or just thinking that you're overwhelmed, take a, a, a one minute silent sit, maybe walk away from wherever you are, go in a different room or different location and just take a minute or two of silence. And do you start the um, start it off the same way for the quick mini sessions, like a sacred word, like love? 
Yes. So you do you do this exact same practice. You're just doing a much shorter sit. So like instead of a 20 minute sit or a 10 minute sit, you're doing a one minute sit, but you're doing it the exact same way. You're using your sacred word to begin and you're using your sacred word or image or breath whenever you need to, even during this shortened <laughs> sit. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. So this is, this is, these are great tools that we can have in our um, pocket and these tools are free to us. So we don't have to go somewhere to get the prescription of centering prayer. Centering prayer is within all of us. So thank you for sharing this information around centering prayer and allowing people to know that they do have resources within inside themselves. So you during your center you know you've been practicing centering prayer for x amount of years and during this time frame you have written a book and congratulations on you know breaking those barriers those old barriers that you had in your life and going forward and saying you know what I'm writing a book and your book is around centering prayer so tell us about your book sure and well and the book came about um when I, when I discovered Centering Prayer, I, I discovered Centering Prayer in a book by written by Amos Smith in, in late 2013. I was perusing Amazon looking for a book to read, and I came across Healing the Divide, Recovering Christianity's Mystic Roots. So I purchased the Kidno version, began, began reading it, and within the book, he talked about a practice called Centering Prayer that he had been doing for about 15 years up until that point. And that immediately intrigued me because this is something I was looking for. I just didn't know how to sit in the silence. I was looking to go deeper within I was looking to deepen my relationship with God and I just thought my life wasn't really where it needed to be or, or could be so I taught myself centering prayer through his book reached out to him we began a back and forth email dialogue and I began reading other books in centering prayer and I and more importantly I just began doing the practice mm-hmm. but as as we continued our dialogue um, he challenged me to write a book. He had written a book and it had a little bit more of an academic bend. And he thought it would be interesting if I wrote a book coming from my uh, standpoint of an everyday person getting up and going to work and sh- sharing centering prayer. So it was Amos Smith's fault. But and it, I guess you kind of find that in life. You, a lot of things you do, someone else nudged you to do. And that's that's what happened. So Amos Smith had finished he had the one book. He was in the middle of finishing his second book. And he challenged me and said, I think you need to write a book. So mm-hmm. that's how the book came about. It was, he nudged me to write a book and I took him up, I took him up on it. Initially, I thought he was crazy. And I, and I said, well, how do I do this? And he says, well, first just jot down, uh, and, this, and this was all email back and forth, just jot down things that come to mind with centering prayer and, and how it's benefited you and what would you want to tell people? So I sent him back an email a couple of weeks later with like 13 or 14 single set statements. And then he sent the email back saying, there's the chapters of your book, go write. Well, I I thought, well, I'm not just going to do that. So I picked one and figured I'd write one chapter and send it to him. And then thinking that would be the end of it because he'd look at it and and think this guy can't write. I shouldn't have made this recommendation. But to my surprise, when he, he read it and said, you got something here, you need to continue. And then it dawned on me, well, maybe he was right. So I spoke to my wife because we had kids at the time. And I said, Would, how do you feel about the idea of me writing a book? And she was fully supportive. She, my wife's an entrepreneur. So of course she's fully supportive. So mm-hmm. I decided I will write the book. And I didn't, but I didn't want to take time away from the family. So I actually wrote it. And this is pre-COVID, Saturday mornings 
at, at the local Starbucks from about 6 a.m. to 10 a.m. I just disciplined myself to get up every Saturday with my laptop, buy a cup of coffee and sit down and, and just write the book. So that's how the book got written was mostly on Saturdays at mm-hmm. the Starbucks at Starbucks over a couple of years. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of the background of the book. And, and I'll pause there. Then I can tell you, you know, what, what I'm hoping to accomplish in the book. But let me pause there in case you want yeah. to react to anything. You know, that I absolutely love this because one of the quotes that I have been preaching, not preaching, <laughs> what I've been saying on my podcast and on my Instagram over and over this year, start the walk and the way will begin, will appear. And it sounds like you started the walk and the way appeared. So it's it wasn't like you was like, okay, I got my five-year master plan. I'm going to write my book. I'm going to do this, this, and that. You just started. You just got up and you put it and you started. And then, you know, thank you, Amos Smith, for going ahead and giving you that push. And, you know, and you kept going with it. You didn't allow, you know, that you didn't self-sabotage yourself and, you know, self-limiting, you know, talk your with yourself you may have had some but you worked through it you know and you push forward and then I love the fact that you had discipline you know you said you 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 guys had kids in the house and stuff like that you could have easily threw in the towel and be like oh we don't have time I'm working full-time I've got these kids but you put discipline you said every Saturday morning which I'm assuming you were available at those times from 6 a.m to 10 a.m I'm gonna write and you made space and time for it so Start the walk and the way will appear and be open to have discipline with it as well, too. So I just wanted to take those notes out of um, the story that you started telling me, but I'm here to keep listening. <laughs> sure. No, I mean, you're, you're so right. You, you, you don't need you just need to know the next step. You don't need to know all the steps and, and the mm-hmm. steps. They kind of appear. But if you don't take any action, nothing happens. So you can have an end goal in mind. You don't know how to get there, but you know the next step. And as you keep taking one step, the next step seems to appear or people come into mm-hmm. people come into your life that you didn't expect to kind of help you with, with, with whatever the next step is. So that's, yeah. that's so true. So the book itself, really, you know, I wanted to share what is centering prayer and the book, you know, helps new people to centering prayer, obviously, with what it is and, and how you do it. But it also helps existing practitioners because I do talk about your true self in the book and deepening your relationship with God and, and living from your true self. So I talk about a lot of that in the book. And then the book really just shares my journey. So I just got vulnerable and just share things um, from my life and from my family's life just to share that I'm an everyday person and, and how this practice has healed and transformed me. And it could do the same for you if, if you try. So that's really why the book was was written, and it was booked. It was it was written in an easy manner to read. So the chapters are short. Um, within each chapter, there's there's a heading, so you know kind of exactly what to expect under that heading of one or two pages before you move on to the next heading. So you could you could read it in chunks if you if you don't like to read a lot. And then even at the end of each chapter, there's questions for reflection and and, and answer where you can kind of can reflect back on the chapter. So I, I wrote it as an easy to read book. And to help people really reflect, is this a practice that could help them? Mm. You know, this episode has really, I feel like we learned so much. You know, the title is um, Centering Prayer. And we we have, I think we have a very clear understanding on what Centering Prayer 
prayer is, how can we use it and, and move forward with it. But we just didn't learn about centering prayer. I feel like that your story is also encouraging and motivating and just, you know, from a true, uh, you know, from a, from a normal level to understand. Because sometimes, you know, in life we see, you know, maybe the celebrity stories and these stories of people that just seem so far out of reach. We just can't put ourselves in their shoes to even think that it's possible for us. But, you know, to hear your story and to just hear that, hey, I got this book. I was looking for, you know, the, in, you know, the guidance. This book, I helped, I felt helped me. And then all of a sudden by me reaching out to the author, then the author comes and starts, you know, just all of these steps that we are all like capable of doing just to see, you know, where it takes you. Someone may not even make the first step of just reaching out to the author and be like, oh, they don't have time for me. They're not going to respond. And then imagine if you had that train of thought, then you may not be at the place you're at today you know, with having this book. But by you doing that, you know, Amos Smith helped push you maybe out of an uncomfortable space and, you know, your comfort zone and say, hey, you got this, you got something here, let's keep it moving and, and so on. So there was just so many key nuggets in here. And like I said, start the walk and the way will appear. And then by you saying every Saturday morning, you were in Starbucks at 6 a.m., that is discipline right there. That is true discipline. So like I said, we just didn't learn about centering prayer. There was also so many messages within your story today. And I would like to thank you for that. <laughs> no, I appreciate it. I, I love kind of sharing my journey in hopes that it can help others. And, and I like learning from other people too, because I can listen to their stories and, and, and learn from them and, and maybe take some actions as a result of something I've heard from someone else. Yeah, it, there's a... Like I can't even think of his name right now, but he's a he's like a motivational speaker. But I, I listened to something, a podcast on him before. And one of his quotes, he said, facts tell, stories sell. Facts, F-A-C-T, facts sells. Um, facts tell, but stories sell. So I always kept that in mind to kind of bring stories involved with things because then people can relate and understand. But like a teacher sometimes is saying, 1926, this happened. 1936, this happened. It's just like, okay, I'm trying to keep up. But if I can't relate to what's happening in 1926, I'm not sure if I can bring that inside of me to remember it. But if it was told in a story like, you know, framework, then it's like, oh, wow. Oh, I can relate to that. Okay, okay. I understand it now. And then now you can see how you apply those different pieces of those stories to your life. And you take what you can from the story and you leave the rest behind. Like we don't have to like take everything from everybody's story. You take what you feel is relevant for you and you leave whatever the rest behind for somebody else or whatever. <laughs> so yeah, thank you, thank you, thank you. So, you know, I think you did an amazing job of telling us about Centering Prayer, giving us, you know, a brief understanding of your story. And do you have like any like last notes or, or that you want to discuss today that we maybe didn't touch base on? I, I guess I'll just repeat what I said much earlier in the interview is I would encourage people to try silence for themselves. So make it the first thing you do in the morning, try it for 30 days and just try a practice such as centering prayer for one to five minutes for 30 days and see what happens. 
Um, mm -hmm. And then if and then if it's something that really resonates with you, then then begin you know, lengthening the the time from one to five minutes to 10 minutes or 20 minutes and then add a second sit. But that, but that's the, what I would encourage people is just to try it for 30 days in mm -hmm. a small dose of one to five minutes and see how you feel about it and, and what it does to you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, great advice. Just start, just right. start and, and hold grace for yourself as well too. So hold grace for yourself. Like if in case you start and you're trying to do your one to five minutes and you're like, starting to hear the chilly child don't throw your hands up like this is it for me <laughs> hold grace for yourself and hold grace for yourself if you don't show up every day and it's like oh my goodness it's been three days I haven't done this centering prayer I knew this wasn't for me nope hold grace for yourself and like you said just just come back from where you left off at just come back from where you left off at and just start and I think that's like one of the most important keys in life it, to evolve and move forward is just start just right. start. Just start. <laughs> just start. You know, like they, there's a saying out there, if you never ask the question, the answer is always going to be no. So like, you know, it, it just, just go. Like if you don't start, you're always going to stay there. You're always going to stay in the same place. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. But I can't let you leave yet because I have to ask you, what does becoming unique mean to you? So for me, it means um, really going within, you know, becoming one with God in the present day and my future self actions, and then just living from this place on a daily basis. So for me, it really just means going within, finding my true self, which really mean for me means becoming one with God so that my will and God's will are, are together and then take the present day and future self actions on this person and keep trying to, to live from this place or space on a daily basis. So it's, it's more so when I'm, when I'm anxious, when I'm worried, when I'm nervous, then I realize I just moved out of this place because that's not, this place is, is more of an inner peace and an inner calm. And even though it's, it's, it's a challenging situation, I can get through it and God and I can partner through it. So, so that's what it means for me. It's just becoming one with God, going within and living from this place on a daily basis and, and keep reminding myself to keep going back to that place mm, I love it so beautiful and um so you said you have a book and now is where is it available if someone's interested in getting it sure it is on Amazon uh, in Kindle and paperback um, or the best place to, to learn about it is my site silenceteaches.com learn more about me i have a free ebook on centering prayer for those that want to learn a little bit more about it and then after that if they want to dive deeper into what is this practice uh, my book is on my website but it's, it's available on amazon and, and most uh, online book sellers okay nice i love it i love it i love it all the details will be in the show notes thank Great. you for showing up for the become unique podcast no thanks for having me on and hopefully this was uh, helpful for your community Yes, definitely helpful for me. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Rich. You were amazing. You know, I'm going to end this show off by saying that there is more than one way to get to 42nd Street. 
So, as I said at the beginning, I live in New York City, and I like to say that there is more than one way to get to 42nd Street. You can take the bus. You can take the train. You can drive to 42nd Street. And when you drive, you have many options. You can go down this avenue or this street. There's just so many different ways to get to 42nd Street. You could take a bike. You could walk. But at the end of the day, you know, Whichever way you decide to take to get to 42nd Street, there's not a right or wrong way to get there. So, for instance, my daughter likes to take the bus and I like to take the train. Is there a right or wrong way to get to 42nd Street? No. So, I say this to say that there are many, many options for us to do in life to go towards our healing process. Not one way is wrong or right. It's up to you to find out the way that fits for you. So just be mindful, you know, when as you're hearing different, many, many options, like on this podcast, I feel like I'm giving many, many options for the same destination within our healing. You know, there is, um, you know, earlier in this um, season, I talked about meditation. And now we're talking about centering prayer. You know, different options, but very similar. But you figure out what way works best for you. And that's the goal within our lives. And just, and I say this so we can be mindful because, you know, There's a lot of people selling a magic blue pill. This is the way to go. This is the way to go. And we get sold and thinking like this is the only option for me. It worked for this person, so it must work for me. But the goal is to become unique. Find your unique blue pill. Find your one of a kind, you know, prescription in this thing called life. So, yeah. Another amazing episode. Thank you guys for showing up for the Becoming Unique podcast. Make sure you are checking the links out. Um, checking out my link tree and all the options I have for you in the Becoming Unique experience. Not just this podcast, but the self-care books, the self-care journals, the Becoming Unique teas, and so much more stuff coming to you. And also the YouTube. So yeah. I chatted my mouth off enough on this episode. I will see you guys next week. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Bye.